Pete, I'm glad you had a good time on your honeymoon. Yes, thanks. It was short but sweet. Yeah, the wedding was beautiful. Yeah, I was really thanks. happy to be there. Thanks. Oh. You're married. Yeah. You are married. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Did You Do Your Homework, the podcast dedicated to assigning you homework, but in a fun way. Uh, I am Martha Sullivan, one of your intrepid co-hosts. Today, I'm a weekend librarian. I had to work yesterday, and I had to deal with way too many entitled adults uh, accusing me of being lazy and knowing how to do my job better than I, uh, I do, so that's where I'm at. Oh, that's always but the most. But now I'm fun. in a good mood. I'm here to bring you uh, the latest and greatest discussion on pop culture in an academic way. And joining me, as always, is my uh, wonderful co-host. Uh, I'm Pete Romberg. I'm slowly returning to the real world after uh, getting married and going on a mini honeymoon to Door County. Congratulations, by the yes, way. Yes, thank the you. The wedding was beautiful. Yes, uh, and and I- everyone on this podcast was at it. I can't uh, believe today? that was a week ago. Yeah. I, I can't either. Right. <laughs> uh, that third voice you are hearing is a friend of the show and return guest, Lizzie Bueller. Lizzie, how are you doing today? Um, I'm doing all right. I, in keeping with the theme of the show, I was hanging out with my friends watching a lot of reality TV last night. So I feel a little yeah. tired this morning. <laughs> Well, as Lizzie uh, reminds us, the theme of our episode today is reality TV, but before that, we're going to try something a little bit new. Usually at this point in the show, we would present to you our pop culture credentials, but at this point, we've been doing the podcast for about a year and a half, and we figure that you, our listeners, know that we're on the up and up when we say that we are well-versed in popular culture. Instead of talking about the last thing that we consumed, I want to know what's stuck in your head this week? What is the piece of pop culture or media or pop culture news or whatever that is lodged in your brain and you can't stop thinking about? Uh, Pete, what is stuck in your head this week? So mine works because it would also apply for my pop culture credential. And I was going to use it as my intro if I hadn't, you know, gone and got married. Uh, So last night, uh, my friends and I, finally finished Pandemic Legacy Season 1, a game which we have been playing since November 2015. Uh, we t- uh, Clearly, we took very long breaks in between some of the games, um, but it was really fantastic to have finally finished it. Uh, for those did you who- save the world? We, got, we did better than the <laughs> worst possible outcome. <laughs> um, for those who don't know, Pandemic is a cooperative board game where you are trying to uh, cure a bunch of viruses, a bunch of diseases all over the world. The board looks like Risk. Um, Pandemic Legacy, then, is a... Uh, it's that module, but the, it's a uh, ever-expanding board game. What you do in one game impacts what you do the next game, um, and there is a definitive end point uh, where you have completed all the missions or have failed to complete all the missions. Um and it, yeah, it only took us three years to do so. Yeah, I think that uh, Bill and I are three months into our pandemic legacy journey. Mm-hmm. The problem is that you can only play with four people, 
and we usually either have more or less than that for game night. So that's that's kind of hindered our progress. Yeah, luckily we had a dedicated like group of four where it's like, yep, here's our group. The one time we swapped out a person, we definitely lost. So we never did that again. <laughs> uh, Lizzie, what's stuck in your head this week? Um, so I am obsessed with this show that I think nobody else watches. It's called Trial and Error. It runs on NBC in the summertime, and it is really a very excellent comedy. Um, the first season was a pretty straight-up spoof of The Staircase, if you guys are familiar with that true crime documentary. Um, is that about the guy that pushed his wife down the stairs? Yeah. Um, okay. And so that... First season, the accused murderer was played by John Lithgow, and it was good. It was very enjoyable. But the second season, the accused murderer is played by Kristen Chenoweth. And it is really, yeah, I mean, it's the show is kind of bonkers. It takes place in this, like, really backwater small town, and all the characters are kind of crazy. Like, the receptionist at the law firm has a myriad list of weird medical anomalies that she suffers and you know the lawyer that comes in is a fish out of water from New York and so it's sort of the concept but it's so stupid but so well done that it's like I think stupid comedy is hard to do well highly recommend it my favorite running joke this season is that women in this town are not allowed to drive unless there's a man running in front of their car announcing a lady driver and so just every <laughs> once in a while there's some woman driving with a man running in front of her car with two flags yelling lady driver in the background it's very funny so i've never heard of this show nobody has and i i'm like spreading the gospel i've already gotten some of my other friends into it so i just um i do think the first season helps you enjoy the second season because you're already invested in the characters but i think the second season has been funnier what is it called it's called trial and error um that sounds excellent and i am super pro anything with Kristen chenna within it basically so. well and she is like this eccentric you know town the wealthy lady in town who like the town is named East Peck and she is Lavinia Peck. So she's like, you know, the grand dame about town. And so everybody's obsessed with her and it's, she's excellent in the role, of course. Phenomenal. Yes. Well, mine is a bit of a second hand uh, one today. Um, a friend of mine is playing through the Mass Effect games for the first time, Ooh. which means that while I am not currently playing a Mass Effect game, I have been thinking about them a lot. Um, he has been live blogging his experience on Facebook, which means I get to see how wrong all of his friends are about their opinions on uh, how to play it. Uh, and frequently on Twitter, someone will ask what your unpopular video game opinion is, and mine is always that the end of Mass Effect Three was good, actually. So I've just been I've just been kind of thinking about that world a lot, and and missing that experience. Um, I may... it would not. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just gonna say it would not be responsible of me to replay all of those games again because I have video games that I want to play that I have not even started or finished like The Witcher. <laughs> um, 
but I've just been, I, I, I think that those, those are some of the best games I've ever played, certainly, and maybe some of the best games ever made. So I've just been thinking about them a lot. I'm having the realization that I might not have finished Mass Effect 3, and I should probably check and rectify that. I was going to say, do you have a memory of your soul, like, leaving your body in emotional distress? No, but I and don't think that has anything to do with Mass Effect 3. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that's where I'm at. Um, but today we are talking about reality TV. Uh, what does this have to do with anything academic, you might ask? Well, uh, not a nothing. lot. Nothing! I, well, not nothing, um, but mostly I wanted to make you watch the season finale of The Bachelorette, and this was a really easy way to do it. Um, I just found out that while it was not his most enjoyable experience, he hated it less than some of the other media I've made him consume for this show. Uh, so, you know, that might tell you all you need to know about the differences in our uh, pop culture tastes. Um, but mostly, I am fascinated by the reality TV movement. Um, we as a culture, I think it is fair to say, are fascinated by reality TV, whether that is a fascination driven by disgust or uh, genuine interest and affection. Uh, and I just wanted to take a moment to talk about it um, because it is a sort of culturally pervasive idea. Uh, so before we get into it, I am interested to know what your what both of your experiences with reality TV have been up to this point. What are your, uh, you know, what's your poison of choice? If you have one, everyone has one. Um, what are you, who are you invested in? Who are the real life people you've never met whose lives you deeply care about? Um, I'll start because I bet that you two have closer answers than I do. Uh, my reality TV show background is as follows. Absolutely obsessed with Great British Baking Show. Have seen episodes or parts of episodes of Project Runway, as Marin has been watching them. Am aware of shows like Survivor and The Real World and stuff, but I'm pretty sure I've never seen a single episode of them. Uh, saw the finale of The Bachelorette. And, and scene. Um, I'm not deeply into uh, reality TV shows. It takes a lot for uh, me to get into it. I want the, com I, I need contests. I don't just want to, like, watch people interact with each other. So shows like um, Project Runway are more up my alley than shows like, um, uh, like The Real World. Um. And Pete, did you ever watch Top Chef? Uh, oh, yeah, I watched the Japanese Top Chef. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, and again, because that's like a contest-oriented reality TV show. Um, I think that when I said Top Chef, you thought Iron Chef. I 100% thought you meant Iron Chef. Um, I've never seen Top Chef. Uh, but but that, that is one the the, like, it's a cooking one, so it's like contest-oriented, right? Like challenge-oriented? Yeah, actually... I think you might enjoy it. All right. I will take a look at that one. Um, I, I like challenge-oriented things, and I like when you don't get into the drama. I want to just focus on whatever the challenge is. So, like, if it's Project Runway, just focus on the dresses. If it's, uh, like, 
cooking shows just focus on the cooking. I don't care that your old restaurant burned down in a fire and now you're trying to do this to prove to your daughter that you're actually good enough to start a new restaurant. Don't care. Show me some good food. See who'd cook the best. Move on. Um, that being said, there is a new one on NBC with um, Amy Poehler and Ron Swanson, uh, Nick Offerman, um, who, which I am interested in but have not seen yet. Uh, as of this it's... recording, I think there are two episodes out. Yes, it's so good. You guys, I was going to say, um, it, I was going to talk about it if no one brought it up. It is so excellent. It fulfills my Great British Bake Off need, but it's crafting. And also, they're phenomenal. So, right. yes, watch. You would enjoy making it, for sure. Making it. Cool. Thanks for, for the name. Um, and, and, yeah, that was definitely the one where I, I saw the ads. I'm like, Amy Poehler, Ron Swanson. Um, I'm going to keep calling him Ron Swanson. Uh, Nick Offerman. <laughs> Crafting, it's like the British Baking Show, I am all in. Lizzie, tell us a little yes. bit about your relationship to reality TV. Oh, Martha, my relationship with reality TV is a long and storied one. <laughs> that... <laughs> that you were the guest that I asked to do this episode. I... I'm not proud, but I pretty indiscriminately enjoy reality TV across the board. I will watch, I regularly watch bachelorette bachelor last night i was watching bachelor in paradise with my girlfriends and then we watched the first episode of love island a trashy british reality tv show that i think i'm gonna have to watch even though there's like 50 episodes of it um i love watching castaways no what is that hulu would really like me to watch it it looks like a cross between bachelor in paradise and survivor okay I don't know. Well, because we'll I've been watching Bachelor in Paradise, Hulu, Hulu keeps trying to sell me on castaways. Yeah. Um, I love competition-based reality TV shows. I actually was at a chef event yesterday where there were two former Top Chef contestants who I remember watching and loving, and it was very exciting. Um, it was Beverly Kim and Edward Lee. They were at a Korean uh, cooking event in Chicago that was very cool. And they were actually there cooking, and it was amazing. Um, and yeah, P, I would say actually the last season of Top Chef that was in, I think it was in Colorado, was really excellent. It would, I think it's a good intro season. Um, there's a Chicago chef on there, so I always root for them. Oh, yeah. Heck yeah. Um, I also love reality TV. That's just like people hanging out with each other. Um I think if I did this episode over, I probably would have made you guys watch an episode of like Vanderpump Rules because I think that is absolutely like the dregs of humanity. <laughs> when you think of like reality TV, that's what you're thinking of is like people who get drunk and like fight with each other. Like, um, like Jersey Shore, but for 2018, not 2008. Yeah, I mean, and I think they think it's classier than Jersey Shore because it's like out in LA and there's servers at this restaurant, except for it's not they're gross and yeah yeah um and also terrace house on netflix which is a japanese reality tv show that i'm very much into right now as well they just dropped new episodes and so i need to get watching that so anyway i love reality tv <laughs> uh i do too i used to say i used to say that i only enjoyed reality tv that was talent based in some way 
That is a lie. Um, about, I would say, eight-ish years ago, uh, one of my roommates and I got very deeply involved in Jake Pavelka's season of The Bachelor. Um, which meant that because then The Next Bachelorette was one of the women on his season that we had just gotten invested in that sort of started my whole Bachelor franchise journey, is if that you how, will. Is that how it always works? Like the some bachelor like the new bachelorette was a contestant on the previous bachelor and maybe vice versa typically yeah sometimes they'll go back a couple seasons but usually um the next uh bachelor bachelorette is somebody that the audience is familiar with and invested in Mm -hmm. um and honestly that's kind of one of the things that i love about reality tv is that i love becoming invested in real people like I watch a lot of TV and I get very emotionally involved in fictional characters and there's something about watching reality TV and knowing that even though the things that are happening on screen isn't actually like 100% authentic uh, that these are real people and in some way the events that you're happening are going to have an impact on their real lives that I find uh, fascinating because uh, yeah, Lizzie, I'm kind of I'm in your boat. I I watch a lot of reality TV. I will try almost anything once. Um, I enjoy competition shows where your talent is what pushes you through. Um, I recommended an episode of The Great Food Truck Race uh, for homework for this episode because that is both talent based and also just the whims of capitalism. Um, <laughs> But then I also, I buy in 100% to stuff like The Bachelor, where it's like, watch this produced to the nines, like, fairy tale, uh, and I'm I'm all in. And then I get mad when I feel that the producers don't serve me the fairy tale that I was expecting or don't do justice to the characters that I get to be uh, so involved in. So I, you know, that's that's where I'm at. I love Terrace House. It's so soothing. Um, I do have limits. I tried to watch Are You the One for a while, and I couldn't do it. Like, at, at a certain point, there have to be people on it that I do care about. Um, if everybody if everybody is terrible, that's the point at which I start to lose interest in. So I have to be emotionally invested in at least like a couple of the people. Um, but otherwise, I'll try anything once. What, did a, you watch what season of Are You the One? Did you watch? I think the third one because did I tell you I had a friend who like hooked up with this guy who then was a contestant on are you the one it was not that season okay um, and actually yeah. that would have been an interesting one now see Pete I'm just gonna make you watch a bunch of terrible reality tv because I'm shutting down the you... podcast if this is where we're going <laughs> <laughs> podcast over we are you the one is just such a perplexing like it is so complicated, like, as a show. What, what does <laughs> that mean? The people that they get to be on it. Well, so, Pete, it's one of those that's, like, here's a bunch of guys and girls, and, like, they can couple up, but they do these, like, supposedly personality tests, so every person on the show has, like, a perfect match. And so, basically, they have these weird, like, the ceremonies at the end of the episode where they sit like couples sit down and they basically see how many like perfect matches they've found or not yet. That's and if they get nonsense. enough, then they all win a bunch of money. 
But it's like, it's so needlessly complicated. Oh my God. I know. Well, and they're also like in a tropical location getting drunk and being messes because they're like 21. So none right. of them actually want to find their perfect match. And, and they're but, also people who willingly agreed to be on this game show. This like right. reality TV show. And that like, that is a specific kind of person. Yeah, because they want to be Instagram influencers and models and actors. It's an audio medium. You couldn't see this, but I definitely just, like, shivered in disgust when you said Instagram influencers. Um, There's money in Instagram sponsorships. Yeah, I know there is. It's a real thing, and it's why late-stage capitalism is the worst kind of capitalism. (laughs) Um, I'm going to steer us very gently uh, towards our first discussion topic. Um, We have kind of already touched on it in an individual way, but I want to know, why do we think reality TV is so popular? I I want to remove, I want to remove the question of how much it costs to make, because I, I I don't think that that's particularly interesting for our discussion, that it's a, a cheap brand of programming to make that, um, obviously experienced kind of a boom during the writer's strike. Um, but why is a, why are we pop culturally in general so fascinated by reality TV? So I, as I was watching The Bachelorette yesterday, um, I was kind of kvetching about it, and Martin had the, the term that I, I like a lot and I'm going to steal, which is emotional voyeurism. Um it is well known that my dump stat is emotional intelligence. So as I was watching it, I was like, is it just that this is that like, that is not my strength and I don't care about the emotions? No, it is the show that is wrong. Um, But I I think that's a big part of it. Like you can see other relationships. Uh, Martha, you were talking about like the producers serving you this fairy tale. And there is a lot of that, like watching other people go through these relationships seeing incredibly high emotions followed by incredibly low emotions um all finessed and managed so that you get the most bang for your buck out of it i think is sells well it's very cathartic for people who buy into it um and then on the the contest based shows that's more just like watching skilled people do things skillfully which is always enjoyable to watch Well, and Pete, I'm kind of interested in your assertion that it's not the people or the drama that you care about at all. And I'm not contesting that. Um, But I do wonder, like, do you not feel at all invested in any of the contestants? Oh, I I mean, like, for a show that I'm invested in, yes, I totally do. Um, With The Bachelor, or The Bachelorette, obviously I didn't because I was watching the season finale and there were two bland guys named Chad. Um, So that that was hard to feel that investment. Um, Yeah, sidebar, I have very strong feelings about who made it to the final three. (laughs) Um, But like in a show that I am invested in, I am invested in the contestants. And I think that that's kind of the key to it is like, Because like what I said before is I can get emotionally invested in fictional characters all day long, but there's something a little bit more intoxicating about getting these glimpses into real people's lives. And even though we kind of end up treating them like characters in a way that is maybe a little bit gross, um, I, I feel personally like one of the appeals of reality TV is that they're not fictional. Like, 
there there's just something a little bit more um weighty i guess when you're watching actual people doing stuff and like parts of their actual lives playing out lizzie what do you think um i mean i think also with reality tv I don't know, this is kind of different than what you guys are talking about, but, like, I do think that in some ways because it, it almost feels lower investment than, like, a scripted drama, and so there's a way to sort of dip in and out of those shows and, I don't know, for me at least, like, get really quickly invested, but also if I don't watch another episode, then that's okay too. Um, it's, like, low stakes for you, the viewer. yeah. And in, in some way, I think that that has helped make it a communal experience because I'm just thinking about my own consumption of reality TV is usually a very communal thing. Like I'm coming to a show because my friend watches it and is like, you should watch it so we can talk about it. Or like I said last night, watching Bachelor in Paradise with my girlfriends. Like I, I came to the Bachelor and Bachelorette because my friends watched it on a Monday night. And so it's like, I think that because you can watch it and talk over it and not really pay attention to it. And so it's kind of a nice, like, hangout thing to have in the background. And I think a lot of, I mean, for The Bachelorette and Bachelor specifically women, um, it it fills that role for them. Well, and I, I frequently talk about how, like, I have scripted dramas right now that are sort of hanging out in my Hulu queue because I just can't, I can't deal with the reality of The Handmaid's Tale right now. Mm -hmm. And reality TV, like what you were saying, Lizzie, is pretty low investment. Like, I don't... If I start watching The Bachelor tomorrow, there is no need, and in fact, probably an aggressive don't do this about going back to the beginning and watching all 20-odd seasons. Like, you can start... You can start in the middle of a season and be fine. Um, and something like that where there's not, you know, however many seasons of material that you have to go back and watch to get both the point and the story of whatever it is that you're watching is very freeing, I think, as a as a consumer of media. <laughs> um, and also, even though it's quote-unquote real, it provides the kind of fantasy escape that something like Westworld or Game of Thrones really doesn't mm -hmm. right now. Um, well, but because it's all, like, massaged reality. Well, and it's staged reality. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's real people reacting to real situations that have been set up and very carefully planned. Um, I started watching Unreal this week, uh, which is a scripted drama about a Bachelor clone uh, that was created by a woman who used to be a producer on The Bachelor. And it's fascinating, and I have no idea how... Um, I have no idea how exaggerated the situations on that show are, um, but it's really interesting to watch the producers on that show and watch them work and, like, coax these emotions and specific situations out of these people just based on what they know about them and how they know that people will react to certain situations. Um, I, I hope that Unreal is more exaggeration than not because the producers on that show are legitimately terrible people 
and the things that they do are pretty horrible. Um, oh, well, yeah. I mean, in the first season, they, like, mess with the woman's meds, and then she, this is a several-year spoiler, kills herself. That would the, that would not happen on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, because they would never be able to run that show again. Right. Um but just thinking about that in sort of an academic way and knowing that there are, like, producers behind the scenes that have specific goals and specific stories they want to tell, um, I've lost track of what I was saying. The point is that even though reality TV is quote-unquote real, it still is able to provide uh, this kind of fantasy experience, um, which is generally provided by the producers and the show's editors and people who take all of this footage and cut down, cut it down into the story arcs that people are going to most want to see. Um, what I do think is really interesting is um, that sort of concept of escapism, especially in our current era, um, which I think this last season, or yeah, this last episode of The Bachelorette, I think they had to reckon with politics in a way that they haven't before, and I would say completely mishandled it. And actually, Pete, I'm both surprised and really pleased that you did watch the episode actually um but so did you watch like the the talking the interview afterwards like the after the final rose no i i i will be honest uh chad two proposed successfully and then i uh was like cool i found out who won uh so i saw the interview with the losing i think blake was his name which was says everything you need to know about the guy uh And so I saw that interview, but then I didn't watch the interview with the, whatever the guy's name was, the winner. Yeah, Garrett. And so what's interesting about Garrett, and I'm I'm almost disappointed just because they did talk about this issue, and I was curious because I know you have no idea what they would have been talking about and talked about <laughs> it in such a... Well, they talked about it in such an oblique way that I was like, you really would have to be familiar with it to know what they were talking about. But Garrett had a lot of controversy this year because he was discovered to have liked a lot of very sort of alt-right memes, Mm. like very hateful, like to the point where it's like, this isn't really political. This is like calling survivors of school shootings, crisis actors and like just like Alex Jones-esque yeah and just like liking that stuff rather than creating it himself which is only a important distinction i think for the spin doctors for uh for the bachelorette but yeah well and just it was really i think it was interesting to see how the show handled it because i think they do try to pretend they live in this fantasy world and i actually think they did a really bad job handling it what a surprise um because the way they brought it up and like they had to bring it up and he basically was just like, Oh, I'm so sorry for those double taps. And like, they didn't really get into sort of the meat of what it was or like, like he actually does. I'm sorry. I accidentally clicked a thing that said I liked a horrific idea. Um, he didn't say he accidentally did it, but it was really like, I didn't realize the power of a double tap. And it's like, okay, but I'm sorry, we don't have to get derailed by this, but I think it was interesting. And it would have been curious if you'd watched that, because I think you would have had no idea what they were talking about. Yeah, that's, that's likely. Which I think is a mishandling of the show. I think the show can't pretend that politics don't exist. This is sort of the world that we're in right now. And especially a show like, like the bachelor or the bachelorette, where it's about like, 
forming a relationship with somebody and wanting to like marry that person you need to know and at least be comfortable with their politics you don't necessarily have to agree these days you suck kind of sort of do because tribalism but like regardless you need to know your partner's politics you need to be comfortable with them holding those views that should definitely be a part of the discussion as you know they're finding each other but that's definitely too messy for the producers to want to get involved with well and this raises kind of an interesting question for me um especially when you have something like the bachelor that has an audience of millions of people what kind of responsibility do we feel that reality reality tv has you know the bachelor i think prides itself on considering itself to be apolitical but it's not i mean it's one of the whitest shows that's ever been produced. Yep. It was a big deal when uh, Rachel Lindsay got to be the first black bachelorette. Like that was a that was a big thing, and it's incredibly heteronormative. And it it tries to exist in this place where like politics don't matter, while also sort of passively espousing a very particular brand of politics. So do do we like what responsibility do we feel that reality TV has in regards to like reflecting our current popular culture or affecting our current popular culture when you know these are shows that have huge platforms like do do they have a responsibility um, to like promote certain ideas or um, engage in politics in a way that I don't think a lot of them do. Was that a leading question? Probably. <laughs> Snarky answer. <laughs> the only responsibility they have is a fiduciary duty to their parent company to make boatloads of money. Well, okay. So what responsibility <laughs> do they have to their audience? Right. Put right. it that way. Well, and I think it was really interesting after Rachel's season because Mike Fleiss, the guy who created The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, basically was like, our audience is racist and that's why our like the numbers for Rachel's season were down. And I was like... I think it's, you can't say, I don't know. I think that The Bachelor tries to say that they have no influence on pop culture and that's clear, or like on society at large. And that's clearly bullshit because they reflect, um, they reflect and enforce like the love stories that we see on TV, you know, like that's, I don't know. And Rachel's, if you compare Rachel's cut to other people's like she wrote a really interesting article or a really interesting um yeah article is fine uh what outlet was that for lizzie um well she's been writing recaps for like us weekly or people so probably i think one of those just comparing the way that they cut and presented her story to becca's the most recent bachelorette and it isn't fair like they cut her story in a different way that had a negative impact on her viewership and i i think it's irresponsible for mike fleiss to not take responsibility for that because yeah. oh yeah absolutely rachel was a really i think that before her season aired rachel was a really popular choice for bachelorette so for him to just dismiss it as our audience is racist doesn't take any responsibility for the role that his production team took in the story that they presented because they can present any story that they want to that becomes a choice that they make um one of the one of the one of the places where i get really upset with these shows that 
admittedly I do watch voraciously is I don't think they take the level of responsibility that I think that they should uh, kind of in service to the fact that they're trying to promote this fairy tale. They take that as an excuse to be like, well, we don't have to consider the cultural implications or impact of the stories that we choose to present. Yeah. And like, you know, if, if you're, if your uh, stated view is that your audience is racist, maybe try to push them out of that by giving a wider variety of contestants and a wider variety of maybe life experiences or whatever, um, so that your audience can be exposed to more diversity in all ways that that word is meant. Because I, I think well, that and I will say. No, sorry, go ahead, Martha. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, because, like, I don't, I think that there is so much to say about The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, and we're talking about reality TV generally. I think it is really interesting to look at, like, other shows that aren't political either, but also are political. Like, I'm thinking of, like, Top Chef and just the contestants that you know, your cooking is such an integral part of like your background. And so I think they're able to get into really interesting stories about immigration and just like mm -hmm. culture like that, which again, is not necessarily overtly political, but also totally is. Yeah. Well, and I, I don't remember who I was listening to talk about it. It was probably somebody on Pop Rocket, but how there are more lesbians on Top Chef than there are in like network TV. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, which is probably also true about gay men and Project Runway. Yep. Um, but the the fact that they they have this space where they can go on and you know this this doesn't um, account for any uh, contestants who may have been closeted or not comfortable being out on TV, which I am totally respectful of. But there are frequently a handful of LGBT people on at least the the Bravo brand of reality TV shows, um, which. I think Top Chef and Project Runway have both done a really good job of letting those people tell their stories um, and doing it in a way that is doesn't feel exploitative because they're not dating shows, so they don't have to exploit them for their sexualities or uh, you know romantic choices. The most recent season of a British baking show that was on Netflix, which again is like an older season. Um, one of the guys, like, they, they handled it very well because, like, the, the, the one uh, older gentleman who was um, openly gay, they, like, dropped it near the, like, they dropped that uh, information, like, near the end of the season and in a totally non-exciting way. Just, like, Brandon and his partner so-and-so, like, like, gardening. And it's like, oh, it's normalizing it as much as you possibly can, which is... I think a really great way to handle it on a show where that's not the focus of, of the show. Well, and um, I think one of the uh, one of the strengths of reality TV is that you know these are real people, so you can present something like that in a totally normal context, and it's not like oh we're a, you know we're a drama and we're adding a gay person and that's a really big like thing. It's like no, these are real people with real lives. Yeah. And we're presenting this as a normal way for people to live. Yeah. Um, okay, so yeah, all I was going to say, too, is I would say in contrast to sort of the positive accolades that we're seeing right now, in, <laughs> um, well, no, just like, I mean, a show that I don't think any of, we haven't really mentioned, and I'm 
thinking none of us watched, but on Survivor one or two seasons ago, one of the big sort of dramatic moments later in the season was one contestant outing another contestant as trans. Mm. Um, at like a, I don't know, whatever they do on Survivor when they like vote people off or whatever. Um, and it was like this huge dramatic moment. And so everyone kind of got to, you know, excoriate that contestant, feel good about themselves. But it also was like, I don't know. I bet the producers were kind of thrilled for that moment because they didn't have to be the bad guys in that situation. They got to let someone else sort of be that jerk bringing up the trans identity and outing them. So I don't know. I think that. And it's, well, it's and deliciously wanna... high drama. So, so they were yeah. doubly excited. I don't want to blanket praise reality TV show for being perfect rep representation. I guess I'm more talking about that. Like, it has an opportunity to do that. And some shows are more successful at it than others. Yeah, absolutely. I just, I think, you know, as we talk about how, you know, reality TV is, you know, real people, real people are assholes too. <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> uh, so I, I want to take a quick sec. We've, we've kind of, we've thrown out a lot of names. We've talked about, Quite a few shows we've spent more time on the bachelor and bachelorette i think just because it's a juggernaut in the uh, field of reality tv um but my question to you guys is what kinds of reality tv do we feel are more successful than others and by this i don't mean what do we personally like more um but just like what do we see as being the what do we what do we feel are the kinds of reality TV that make for the best that make for the most successful um, franchises? Like we've talked about dating shows, we've talked about competition shows, we've talked about something in between. Uh, where do we where do we feel that reality TV really shines? So when when you say most successful, um, one way to think about that is like capturing. The, the popular consciousness or like, you know, the water cooler talk. Um, and obviously like Survivor was sort of the first big reality TV show that absolutely captivated attention. Um, it's apparently still going on. So I would have to say it's incredibly successful. I don't know who watches it, but people do. Um, 10 years ago, there was like the whole Jersey Shore phenomenon. And if we were recording back then, I would say that those kinds of reality TV shows were successful because they were everywhere. Um, it sounds like they're still making shows like that, but they've gotten, they haven't, they're not like, you know, part of the zeitgeist anymore in the way that they used to be. Um, to me, it does seem more like the, the dating shows and the competition shows are the ones that are popular now. Netflix has, you know, you've, you trip and you fall on shows like that. Um, it's the best. Yeah. At this point, both Netflix and Hulu are like, we notice you watch a lot of trash TV. Here is a collection of shows that we think that you would enjoy. <laughs> um, so, so that is, I think, where we're at now is the, like, not scripted, but, like, mission-oriented, other than, like, you know, it's not just we're sitting around in a house on the Jersey Shore getting drunk, uh, and it's not crazy nonsense of, like, we've dropped you off on an island, uh, make fire. It's it's the more middle ground of, of we have a large group of people, we're going to winnow them down over the course of the weeks, um, whether that's through skill or through romance or something else, that seems like 
the mode that is successful right now. Yeah, and I think those shows that are sort of like a one season and done kind of thing, like I do think it's interesting. I would say Bravo, their sort of selection of reality shows that aren't competition-based, so like The Real Housewives and that kind of thing, I think are sort of the anomalies in that they follow the same characters over many seasons. Um, I, will, I, do I think, will admit, I thought Real Housewives was a scripted show. So, I mean, it's, it, it's not not scripted. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't think that because, like, that was like Jersey Shore, you know. I mean, Jersey Shore is back on right now, actually. Family what? reunion, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that only lasted a couple of seasons because at a certain point, I think people get tired of spending time with like those caricatures, yeah. And so I think sort of the one season and done with a familiar format that also I think is not too complicated. I think that's sort of why we see like Top Chef or Bachelorette staying around because it's or like even Bake Off. I think people would continue to watch that forever, except for they changed it. Um, We'll see how the new changed version goes. So, I mean, there's no Mel and Sue and there's no Mary Berry, so no thanks. Liz, I have a question. Um, when So I used to watch a lot of TLC reality TV shows, like Say Yes to the Dress and um, Four Weddings and stuff like that. Are those still on? Like, do they still... Um, say Yes to the Dress, yes. Um, and that, I think, is an interesting... Because that's not a one season and done. That's, like, a one episode and done. And so I think of, like... Say Yes to the Dress and, like, Chopped on the Food Network as sort of similar. Because you can sit down and watch those for 45 minutes and then never have to think about it again. And so they will keep making those episodes forever. Um, Interestingly, Trading Spaces is back on TV. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, My relationship to Say Yes to the Dress is really interesting because I used to watch it voraciously. And then I bought my own wedding dress, and it was like, okay, now I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) And it wasn't even, like, I don't even know that while I was watching it, I was watching it because of any sort of, like, wedding obsession or whatever that I had. It was just, like, after I bought my own dress, I was like, well, I have found the best dress, so I don't need to watch other people (laughs) do it anymore. (laughs) Speaking of trading spaces, we haven't gotten into any of the various real estate whatever shows either the house flipping or the house hunting variety um and i guess you could say maybe they're not super reality tv but i also feel like they they share a very similar niche i and i think i just haven't talked about them because i don't watch them yeah yeah i I, I was gonna say i bet that i think that's just a function of like you know for martha and me as the two sort of reality tv consumers here we i don't watch them either I watched one episode of, I think it was like a, it was, I don't remember what it was exactly called, but it was like House Hunters, only people buying a resort to flip. And I got so mad at how much money they were just flinging around that I like couldn't do it anymore. (laughs) They bought an island and I died. (sighs) Eat the rich. (laughs) Um, Ma- Marin was watching some, like, House Hunters Europe. It wasn't a house flipping one. It was a, like, 
we're Americans and we're going to go live in Amsterdam. And this is the kind of house we want. We want an American house. Why can't we find an American house in Amsterdam? Like, well, because that's... You're moving to Europe, different expectations, people. Um, those shows are frustrating. Yeah. Although, I guess Lucas's sister was telling us about this show that they watch that's called, like, Escape to the Continent, which is a British show for people buying property in Europe that... Brexiting the as, Brexit. Yeah, I know. I mean, I'm sure it's sort of, like, bake-off and that a British reality show is going to have a different sensibility, even if it is sort of the same thing as, like, House Hunters International. Anyway, that was not that interesting of an aside, but <laughs> that's well, on Netflix, I guess. <laughs> I, I will say that both both the cooking shows and the house shows, you know, like, the cooking shows, a lot of it is, like, watching the food porn. The house shows, it's, like, watching the house porn, like, the real estate. It's, like, these are gorgeous things, or these are people cooking amazing things. Um, and, and same with, like, Project Runway, making theoretically beautiful dresses. Uh sometimes more successfully than others. And I, I think that that is a, a strong appeal to all of these kinds of shows is the like, look at these cool, pretty delicious looking, whatever things that exist. Absolutely. Um, one of my favorite, I watched um, Miami Inc and LA Inc mm. and London Inc. I think all of the, all of the t tattoo based reality TV shows and those were really just like, I enjoy watching very skilled people practice their craft. Yeah. Like, the LA Inc. got a little too much for me after a while because it was drama that, for me, was getting in the way of why I wanted to be watching the show. Like, I don't really care about who Kat Von D is dating. I just want to see people do cool tattoos. Um... But the, the tattoo genre is also sort of an interesting offshoot of that kind of talent-based formula, because now we have, like, Ink Master and some other competition-based shows that I have trouble watching because they talk about the people that they're tattooing. They call them canvases, and I'm not comfortable with that. <laughs> Yikes. Um, yeah, and I, I don't appreciate the... Like, the judging format becomes really weird when what you're judging is on a person's body and pointing out the flaws of something that is going to be on them <laughs> forever. <laughs> um, all, of this, all of this is to say that I'm a big fan of just watching people who are really good at doing something, doing it really well. Yeah. Uh -huh. So we solved it? Have we, have we solved reality TV? <laughs> I think we have. Excellent. Lizzie, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for letting uh, me come talk about one of my favorite topics. Always. <laughs> you are always welcome. You are always welcome on our show. Um, I assume, unless you've sprouted a Twitter magically that I didn't somehow know about, <laughs> um, uh, nothing, no projects, no internet stuff to share with our listeners? Nope. That's chill. Pete, where can people find you? Hey, you can find me on Twitter at Pico3000, P-I-K-O 3000. 
And you can find me on the internet at Magical Martha. I'm at all the places. I've been posting a lot of selfies lately because I am trying to make myself feel better about myself. But also I post a lot of guinea pig photos uh, and book photos from my job. That Wicked and Divine pin uh, skull pin you posted was awesome. I love it so much. And the only people who asked me about it yesterday were old women who were like, amused that i was wearing it <laughs> so then i got to try and explain the wicked and divine to a bunch of older women which was an experience when you see a run of those books at the library you'll know why oh i got su- well this is a side story that doesn't matter um i got super yelled at by somebody for having fables comics in our collection because they flipped through one and there was a naked woman mm. Yes. The joys of being a librarian. Anyway, you can find our podcast on Twitter at DYDYH Podcast. You can find us on uh, our home on the web at homeworkpodcast.com. You can find us on Facebook. You could leave us a comment on Facebook. We love comments. Uh, you could send us an email if you've got questions, comments, concerns, ideas for future shows. Request to be a guest. Show at homeworkpodcast.com. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts uh, or wherever you get your podcasts if they have a rating system. That is how we uh, reach out to new listeners. Uh, That's how we expand our listener base, which allows us to keep bringing you our good, good discussion uh, content every other week. Um, We... We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. However, we're going to be switching up our format a little bit. We are going to be doing some more review-based stuff, some shorter stuff, while Pete and I take a short hiatus uh, from the main content of the podcast in order to come back in a few weeks, uh, better organized, better scheduled, um, better in every way. So keep an eye on our feed. We're still going to be there. Uh, And we'll be back in a few weeks with an actual homework assignment for you that we hope that you will enjoy. Uh, Pete, any last announcements? Anything our listeners should know? I think that'll do it. Look forward to the book reports we've got coming out in the next couple weeks uh, in lieu of a regularly scheduled hour-long program. Yes. Uh, And that is all the time that we have for today. Class dismissed.